Welcome to Indie Depth, the show where we go in-depth with independent filmmakers about their filmmaking process. I'm your host, Andrew Froning, and today with me I have Colleen Brady, a documentary filmmaker. Her series, uh, it's a documentary series, Geronimo, the series, and it's won two awards for Best Documentary and one for Best Message, and she's also a Telly Award-winning editor. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so documentaries are, are super interesting, and I think you're my first um, person on the show who is primarily a documentary filmmaker. Right. Yeah. yeah um, I, I mostly was into narrative filmmaking in the beginning and obviously in school because that's primarily what they focus on, and documentaries kind of fell into my lap. Um, with Geronimo especially because I knew I wanted to make something and the story just it was a very serendipitous process and I was like yeah move over narrative let's let's try a documentary why not you know (laughs) (laughs) that's neat because you know a lot of times we discover what we're good at through whatever we were pursuing before and then it just kind of finds us and, and takes a grip and you're like yes this is where I need to put my energy. Right, yeah, the opportunities just, you know, pre- present themselves to you, and you're like, I gotta follow this. <laughs> now, um, with some of my work, I work at an environmental company, and um, we do a lot of uh, videos based on our certain projects that we've done. And some of the stuff it gets a little almost fantastical at times when you know we go like treasure hunting and we're using metal detection equipment for that so that i've done some some documentary ish things um never really a long-form documentary but i I just love how you can come into it all you do is you have a video camera you know maybe some audio equipment and you don't know what you're going to get at all on the day right yeah one of my favorite quotes about documentary is um, by Alfred Hitchcock he said um, when you're making like a narrative movie this is you know I'm I'm trying my best to quote it but (laughs) when you're making a narrative film the director is God but when you're making a documentary God is the director and Mm. so you're really just whatever comes to you, whatever opens itself up to you, you just have to take that into account and you just have to make it work, you know? Right. And I think that kind of opportunity to improvise and to internalize the story and just do your best opens up a lot of creative venues of the types of stories you can tell and the types of truths you can explore, really. Hmm. And you have to be kind of attuned to to what's going on um, to tell the story truthfully, but also to to know that eventually you're going to have to tell a story with this. You're going to have to put it into some, some format, and I imagine being an editor kind of helps with that. Right. Um, I also wrote a bunch of short narrative scripts that were eventually made. And so that helped a lot with understanding a lot of story archetypes and character archetypes and being able to mix and match and 
I think you, in order to really be confident with documentary filmmaking, you have to have a pretty intimate knowledge of story structure mm. and just whatever you come across on the day when you're filming, you just pick and choose things and you say, oh, that would really work well for this kind of archetype. This would work really well for this archetype. And eventually you find that it'll lead one way or another and almost build your case for whatever path you do end up taking. Okay. But I think for the most part, you you can go like several ways in the editing room and um, eventually like the footage will line up for like one way, like you should go this path, you know, so. <laughs> now, when you talk about the characters, you know, it's kind of weird because I always think of a character as, you know, someone that you create, but right. these are people who exist and um, they just, they're, they're built in and you don't really know the character sometimes going in. How do you, how do you hone that down and what's the importance of um, a character in a documentary story? That's a really good question. Um, I think just being a genuine person first off and just talking with them, getting to know them, having a rapport, understanding where they come from. I have a lot of background in interpersonal communication and through that you learn a lot about how people perceive the world linguistically and the kind of stances they take when in a conversation because some people can approach it offensively or defensively or passively and you start learning a lot about how that person would act throughout their life to, with with their different um different obstacles in their life hmm. and so obviously real people aren't, you know, fictional characters and you can't bend them to your will, but there are truths to character archetypes um, being close to who we are as people. They are based off who we are as people. So, um, yeah, I think you can learn a lot about that and obviously not go purely off of stereotypes and archetypes, but... Um, you get a lot of more insight by applying that knowledge to real people. That's interesting how you're able to, to bridge those two disciplines because they just, they're so separate, but right. fundamentally you're making a film and a film needs a story. So I, I just find that fascinating how you're able to take that, especially with characters, because that's something I really hadn't thought of. Like, you know, for what I'm doing, it's usually um, the story is, you know, the equipment that is going into use and like how that can that can benefit or the um the environment is kind of like the the main focus but never never a character so that's really cool <laughs> yeah i also went into so a little background on geronimo i went into it just wanting to know more about aerial acrobatics and circus arts i had been a competitive gymnast for 10 years and that requires like a lot of physical strength a lot of mental strength a lot of discipline and I found that aerial acrobatics was very similar in that respect you're hoisted into the air by like 10 feet and you have to get over that mental um, 
like obstacle to be like, it's okay. I know I can do this. I know like, you know, how to fall. And cause in those types of sports, like you know how to fall so that you don't hurt yourself that badly. Well, you fall <laughs> sort of like the, the best possible, the safest way you can fall, but it still hurts. Right. <laughs> cause I remember I learned how to, uh, when I was learning more advanced tricks, I learned how to fall in a way that it broke my pinky toe, but it wouldn't break my ankle. So I did break my pinky toe, but that's better than my ankle. Um, <laughs> easier easier to heal than, you know, not walking. Right. <laughs> so at first, I just wanted to explore that subject matter completely. Um like the the beginnings and how people get into it and their trainings and all that all that fascinated me but what happened was when i was reaching out to people and acro yoga studios i found my two subjects kate and regina and suddenly it turned from a documentary about like a broad subject to two portraits because they were such strong characters. They were so resolute in their belief system and their stories, and it just felt like they totally took away from the subject. They were their own stories. And so that's why it kind of shifted from like a plot-based thing to a character-based thing, so. That's interesting, yeah. because I've noticed a lot of documentaries and even something like you know Ninja Warrior, um, the American version, they they started to really focus on the people. Like this is my background, this is my gym, this is my family, this is my you know discipline morning routine, and it, you know you start to feel something for the person. Um, Tiger King is like right. the ultimate in character documentaries. I, mm. <laughs> have you seen that? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's a wild ride, and. <laughs> I find that um, character-driven documentaries are the most impactful. Like we're we're no longer um, going into a phase of documentary that's like your grandfather's documentary, where it's on this like boring, just right. bland subject and old photos just bouncing from corner to corner on the screen. Like we're really focusing on people who uh, personify the subject matter now. And I think that's what makes us connect so much better to it. Like, would we, I mean, granted, I think we would still care about tigers in captivity because they're adorable, but Tiger King is so unique because of all those different really radical characters. And so you start connecting so much more and becoming so much more passionate about their, what they're talking about. So, right. yeah, I think um, your subject can really make or break your documentary. Now, making a documentary is, you know, great to highlight certain subject matter and something that people may not know about. But you can also tell a story um, to really get a message across. And you've won an award for best message. So tell us I, your, your approach to that, or was it something that was discovered, or was it something that you knew going in? So I believe like when you go into documentaries, you should know a little bit before you jump right in. Uh, I don't think I would recommend ever going in blind. So yeah, I did know about, so, um, Geronimo in Flight is about a veterinarian named Kate 
and she really delves into mental health and uh, something called compassion fatigue, which is in a lot of medical professions. And it's just being weighed down by a lot of the the really difficult things that medical professionals have to go through, um, a lot to do with death. And so she talks about having this release by using aerial acrobatics to cope with the things that she goes through, but then also as a way to stay healthy, you know, physically and emotionally. And then with Geronimo Circus Trash Monster, Regina is, she was always this very artsy type. She was always into acro yoga and circus arts. And essentially after a lot of, um, you know, significant events happen in her life, she moves to Kensington, Philadelphia, which is um, kind of an impoverished area. And there's a lot of trash and on on the streets and um she felt so inspired to just clean up the her living her space um and make the kids in those in in the neighborhood like have a better life by using her circus arts skills to clean up the neighborhood and empower the children to not only clean the neighborhood, but learn like a new skill. And both those stories are so strong and resolute in, you know, making a change within yourself, but then also to the people around you. And I think that sometimes change seems really difficult and far, uh, like unreachable for us it seems like something that would take a really long time or I just can't do, I just don't have the financial space for it, you know. And these women showed that, you know, despite what is happening in your life, like you can make small incremental changes to your life to make your life better and the people around you, you know, happier and better. And I think that was really important to me during it, it was really inspirational and I think I I go back to it whenever I feel kind of down and feel like I, I don't know if my life is going exactly how I want it to but there's nothing I can do about it and then I go back to that and I'm like yeah there is I can totally I just saw two other people do it like I can totally make a change in my life and I think that's what I've been seeing in a lot of festivals when people say like they really loved it I, you know, somebody actually said, like, watching this made me want to be a better person. Wow. And it's just that spark that, you know, and it's only like a nine minute film and it's just people can be inspired by the smallest things of being like, they can do it. So can I. And so it was it's I I'm very, very happy that I could put it together and put it out there. Uh, that's great and a lot of times you see humans kind of have this I don't want to say herd mentality but something where you know okay well if everybody else isn't doing it then I won't do it or you know I'd want to do this but I don't know but then you see somebody else doing it you know you see a leader someone that you can you can almost not just emulate but someone that inspires you and then you discover yeah that's that's not so hard at all 
Exactly. And it's just small steps. And like even, I think it's really easy to feel like we're very insignificant and life is just how it is. And that is just one of the steps, like just watching somebody else is just one of the steps for you to say to yourself, like, there's nothing stopping me except for me. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. We, we often hold ourselves back. Right. Um. <laughs> and now, so you've been to a couple film festivals and I assume you've received some, some feedback in either Q and a session or just from people coming up to talk to you. What's that like to feel like, um, you've made a difference in them and how, how do people respond to you? A lot of people are so overjoyed in seeing something so positive. Um, I find that in a lot of independent films, a lot of them are pretty sad or of serious subject matter, and that's fine. And, you know, we have to tell those stories. I feel like there's a need to, you know, we can't just only show happy things. We have to show the serious things. But I personally just wanted to, especially like now, um, but in the last couple of years, like things are progressively more serious and it's just really nice to have that one beacon of light of being like, it's not all bad and it won't always be this bad and we can always somehow get better. So. And that's kind of how movies started out, didn't they? It was just... Here's some moving images, but, you know, to detract from the Great Depression and, <laughs> you know, everything else, it's like, well, hey, here's some fun. Here's something here's something new. And I, I think to continually give people the same thing, they, they either get tired, they get some kind of fatigue over right. it. So I definitely agree. Every time I've been to a film festival and there's been, like, a film with a happy message, like, it's always stuck out. Right. Because I think people are very like, oh, yeah, stuff sucks, so I'm going to show how bad it is. And maybe people will feel better because their life isn't that bad, but (laughs) there's another direction. I think also happy films are harder to do while also not being cliche and cheesy. Because it's got to feel earned. It's got to feel... It's got to feel real. It's got to feel like it exists in this world and it's not just a, f- a complete fiction. Right. Yeah. It, it doesn't have to be the worst of the worst. It doesn't have to be over the top happy and nothing ever bad happens to your character, but just something that feels lighter, more uplifting, that it can, it can be possible. It doesn't mean it's always going to be a happy ending, but there is now. There's a peace. When you're doing a documentary, you have to interview people who are usually not used to being interviewed. And, um, you know, I'm sure you've got your list of questions. Um, How do you get what you want to get from an interviewee? Right. So I do spend quite a lot of time on the interview questions because not only do I want to make them approachable, accessible, not that hard to, you know, decipher, but then also like neutral, um, 
And so reading them, they might seem really simple, but I guess that's kind of the point. You don't want your questions to intimidate somebody. They're reading them and they're like, ugh, I have to write a dissertation on this question, you know? This is a four-part question. Uh Uh-oh. Right. So I always think, like, even if you have multiple parts to, like, the same subject, then you just, like, split them up. And if it takes longer, it takes longer. But... Um, also, normally, if people ask like two part questions, sometimes people only focus on the easier part of the question right. or like one part of the question. And sometimes you just want more out of it. Um, I also find it's very helpful to create a rapport with the person and be very comfortable with them so that they're humanized to you and you're humanized to them. Um, you're not strangers. Uh, this isn't weird. <laughs> this isn't a job interview. Um, they're very comfortable, and you should be able to like joke with them a bit. Obviously, depending on what you're interviewing about, it changes. Right. Um, so far, I've you know only done fairly happy ones. So um, it really helps to be able to be comfortable with them. I found that with both subjects, they did talk about, they, they became vulnerable, you know, about how they were living and how they changed, especially Kate, you know, who talks about like mental health and that requires you to be pretty vulnerable. And so I, I did talk to her a lot about just, just anything, just to be comfortable and talk to her beforehand about our likes and dislikes and, um, just so that when I came to that part of like, how did it feel to go through this? She wasn't like, oh, I don't want to talk about that with you. That's reserved for like my therapist, you know, like um, I and I was very gentle about, you know, how did it feel going through that? And whatever she answered, she answered. And I was willing to just kind of put it at that. But she did go the extra mile of being like I I felt regret for having spent so much time not taking action you know and that's a very powerful statement and that's a very vulnerable statement and I'm very grateful that she entrusted us with that um, because I think there are a lot of internalized feelings that we have about what we're allowed to share and what we're not as just people and just one person saying that they also felt that way is so powerful for somebody else to hear and be like I'm not alone either um so in order to get those very specific emotional reactions, those very, very truthful moments, it is very important to be vulnerable too as a person um, and share that like, you know, I've also gone through things and Mm -hmm. I know how you feel and it is scary being in front of the camera and (laughs) I promise I'll make this short and as painless as possible, you know, it's, it's good to be reassuring and just, again, just a person. You're not just a director. You're also like a friendly face they can right. also talk to you about things and I, I think i caught in there it's it's not just a one-way street it's not like you have to give me information and i'm a brick wall right um, you need to also be open to maybe sharing something or just 
you know, even they say start off with a joke with anything. You can just say, oh, the first time I interviewed, you know, I didn't do so well, but it's it's fine. Yep, but you know, obviously way better than that example. That was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I did um, mess up one of her answers because I laughed in the middle of it. Mm. She was she had this kind of dark humor, and I just like uh, guffawed, so I just like had this really loud chuckle, and I could hear it in the background of the audio, and I was like, oh. <laughs> but um, I think it is important to like when you're having this conversation with them, you're not just writing down their answers or important parts that you're really engaging. You're giving as much eye contact as you can and like reacting with your face. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> I know in, in college I had to record an interview with this one professor and I hadn't met him before. I was filling in for somebody, so I didn't know anything about the subject matter. And I sat down and for whatever reason, like this, this guy, like he had, this very very dry sense of humor and like just stuff he would say would make me want to giggle so i feel like the whole time i just was like don't laugh um but, but, yeah oh oh it was it was a long interview <laughs> but um you know you can't you can't let that come out you don't want it to come out that you're um you have to kind of reciprocate um uh, whether if it's just just eye contact um, mm -hmm. just like facial, like a nod or, you know, like an, Oh, you know, raise your eyebrows. I'm interested. Um, right. just to show that you're hearing them, mm -hmm. I think is important. And, and that's like a really good way of encouraging them to go even further on a question and digging deeper. Mm. Um, so it's not just like plain, you know, this is what happened. This right. is what okay. I did. That's it. So that you feel like you're not overstepping your bounds on like, but how did it feel? I could imagine that it felt this way. Do you feel that way? Because um, that's that's like the most important uh, thing. I, I don't think a documentary would be that interesting if it was only statements. It's 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 told through the perception of like somebody else and their feelings and how they internalized it. So true and also when you're asking a question um sometimes you're looking for a specific response right but you don't want to feel like you're you're having too much input or you're leading them to something that um isn't a natural right progression how do you, you don't handle that like, yeah you don't want to skew what they're saying so um Again, when I'm thinking of all the questions, I I think of keywords that would help corral my story into something that I'm like, yes, that's on on theme, on point. Mm -hmm. uh, this is what I'm trying to get at. And um, sometimes I use that to bring bring the story back on track, and also. Sometimes when they're answering a question and they're just like at the very tip of being vulnerable and saying something really awesome and they like hold back for whatever reason, I use this trick where I, I say, so from what it sounds like, it sounds like you're saying I felt this way. 
because mm-hmm. of all the things that I've gone through. Would you say that's true? Would you, how would you say it? And it helps them refocus just around that statement. Okay. But then it's also original to what they feel like. I, at one point, I said something like, um, it sounds like, uh, it sounds like I felt bad when this happened. Would you feel comfortable saying that? And I remember Kate was so, she was such a strong, like, willed person and her her personality was like so ironclad that she was just like I'm not going to say exactly what you said because that's not me and mm-hmm. I totally respected that so I had to go the other way of like well how did you feel about that you know um and so it's being respectful to somebody's like original person like they're always going to want to say true and you you have to respect that you can't just make them the character that you want them to be they are their person. And that's what makes the story the story. Colleen, you're an award-winning editor. And that has to come in handy. <laughs> that's, that developed skill for editing a documentary because everything we've talked about, you know, we've already gone over so many techniques and, and so much um, information that you need to know beforehand and apply during production. Now you've got hours and hours and hours of footage to look through where do you even start right so specifically with documentaries i do start with the interview i like to go over what the person said and pick out the selects of what is most impactful what follows up with my story i do think it's also really important that before you edit you really internalize the the story plan or the script. So if you're editing a narrative, like you read the script over like three or four times so that it's like really in you. You give yourself a break and then you just edit without the script or the story plan. Just so when you, it's, it's actually kind of based off um, an acting technique. I forget what it's called, but you basically memorize all your lines so completely, you know the words. Mm -hmm. And so when you're acting, it's completely just how you feel and the intonation. And you're kind of doing the same thing when you're editing. You're not going like strictly based off the story plan or the script. You, you, because you understand where it's going and you know what happens. And it's really just letting you exercise all your creative options and seeing what makes sense and what works and mixing and matching so that you're not just confined to how your director sees things. You're not just confined to how you saw things in pre-production, how you saw things in production. You're trying new things and you're open to all those possibilities. You kind of throw away all the preconceived ideas and you try something new. Okay. <laughs> I know when I'm um, editing things that are more of a documentary nature, um, I'll start with like an opening image. Mm-hmm. And, you know, either if it's, uh, say, in Florida, like, shot of Florida. Yeah. <laughs> Just very easy, like, establishing. Um, but, 
you know, also if I can, we'll try to find something that um, gives some insight that's a little more emblematic of what the story will be. Um, and once I have that beginning, I feel like, okay, now I know where we are. Um, find the story, you know, whether we've got a voiceover or we've got an interviewer, you know, we, we try to find, we try to track that and figure out, okay, this is the story I want to tell. And then, then I just place the images in and I see what works, you know, what works over here, you know, what, what needs to be spaced out? Um, where do the images or music take over? So there's just, I feel like if there's so much at once, a documentary is, is a little more like organizing chaos. Yeah, there is definitely that, which is which is why I start with the interview, because mm. you can really figure out how that's going to lead and influence the story. Um, I find that, well, with Geronimo, when the first image that starts out both of them, it's funny because they're not exactly establishing, but they're really striking. Okay. So in flight, it starts out with this extreme close up of a moose head. It's just a moose from an animal sanctuary. And that's starting Kate's story as a veterinarian. And you're just like, what the heck does this have to do with anything? And the same thing with Circus Trash Monster, it starts out with Regina's foot because it was in the beginning of like her performance um, on the silks. And so it like tilts up to her doing you know, a trick, but it's just starting out with a foot. I, I don't know. It just made me laugh and it was striking. And so it's, it's, that's how you really lock on viewers that you're like, what does this have to do with anything? Why are you showing me a foot? Why are you showing me a moose? Um, <laughs> but on top of that, uh, documentaries are so much fun because I think the B-roll part of it, arranging it, is is a lot of fun because when you're shooting it, there might not be a lot of meaning to it, but then layered on top of the interview is so impactful. So when um, I was editing Kate's, she says something about how, um, yeah, she, she felt regretful of waiting for so long and there's this one shot before like we really started shooting she's just hanging on to her lira and she's just standing there catching her breath and she's looking down but like layered on top of that statement mm. it really inspires that feeling of regret oh that's powerful right and that's what's so amazing that these two very separate things you wouldn't feel either of those things and then layered on top it's just it it magnifies that feeling it's more than the sum of its parts right so meaningful b-roll is just amazing and um you you really have to be creative in how you layer them and uh, that's what makes it so much fun. It's this never-ending jigsaw puzzle of trying to figure out what inspires an emotion in what place and what doesn't. Mm. And with B-roll, you have to watch it all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you went the time through all that time to shoot it, and now it's like, well, ooh, how can it be used? And you know, where where did I get the best the best shot of this? 
But then right. you're right. You can go back and say, oh, well, you know, what if, what if I took this shot that just, like, makes sense? And then I did a more, like, a creative spin on it. Like, what if, what if I showed, like, someone sad mm-hmm. at this point? Like, what... How does that work? And you can take even just parts from the interview where, you know, they might just be a little quiet if that is representative of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And even just layer that over, even if it's the person not speaking, over the person's voice. Like, that's a creative way to, to say a lot. Right. Yeah, so it's just being creative and... uh knowing that you can always create like another sequence or another project and just flip things around and see how it's going to come out. But definitely like combing through all your B-roll and creating selects and like never deleting them until the end is so crucial because you only want to do it once, right? You only want to go through hours and hours of B-roll once. And so you just pick out all of them and just flip them around to see whatever works best. And um, that's what's amazing. I used uh, both performances from uh, Kate and Regina's as as ways to illustrate their struggles in both of their stories. Okay. And I think that was the best way I could have characterized them, really, because... Again, how I was saying about how aerial acrobatics is really difficult emotionally and mentally, and that was their outlet, that their that was their vehicle of change, and that using their performance for it really drove that point home. Right, and do you think that that enables your viewer to more get in their headspace at the time? Right, I I think it it definitely. It opens people up to understanding who they are as a person, mm. how that is helping them. Like, it's not just another sport. It's not just another activity that they do. It's not just another facet of their personality. It's something that has changed. It's, a, it's as much of a character in the story as they are, I guess. Okay, cool. Well, this has been a very interesting conversation i'm I'm loving it (laughs) so um where can our viewers and listeners um see your work or you know social media right so you can find more about geronimo the series at at geronimo the series on instagram and facebook and there's it's going to be in an online festival very soon. So you should follow up on that. And then if you want to see more about what I'm doing, I'm on Instagram at cucumber apocalypse, a very memorable name. One of my favorites. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, I'm going to be directing another documentary in the winter. So everyone should look out for that. (laughs) We will. And I'll put those links in the description. Colleen, thank you so much for going Indie Depth. Thank you.